Hello and welcome to Weathering the Storm, a podcast to help us weather the storms of life by sustaining an unwavering faith in God. I'm your host, Drew Suttles, and I'm really looking forward to our study today as we study the topic of doubt. Thus far in this season, we have studied weathering the storm of fatigue and weathering the storm of temptation. And both of those are certainly relatable. Uh, but this topic of doubt, sometimes we may uh, gloss over it. Sometimes we may think, well, I don't have any doubt. But you know, at the end of the day, there are things that, that sometimes we call into question. And that's what the word doubt means. And so as we begin today, I'd like to simply define it and then to give you a real life example of what it means to doubt. The word doubt, of course, is a verb, and it means to call into question the truth about something. It is to lack confidence or to be suspect. This past Sunday, I experienced doubt. Here at the Equipment Church of Christ, on the last Sunday of every month, we have Church Fellowship Church. We come for Bible study at 9.30. We worship at 10.30. We then go to the fellowship meal or fellowship hall rather and have a meal. And then at 12:45 we come together for an afternoon service. And so around two o'clock, after uh, you know we're done with our afternoon service and after we've gotten everything we need, we're at home. And so Brittany and I both were exhausted from the previous week, and so we decided to lay the kids down, and then we would go and, and try to lay down and get some rest. Well, as we laid there, I had my phone on my nightstand, and it kept going off. And I thought, what in the world is going on? Who's trying to contact me? Well, when I looked at it, I had multiple reports. And the first one that I saw was from TMZ saying that Kobe Bryant had been killed in a helicopter crash. That's when I experienced doubt. I called into question the truth about what was being said. I thought, there's no way that this is happening. And of course, we as human beings uh, realize that, that we are mortals and that death is, is inevitable. But when it comes to a superstar like Kobe Bryant, when it comes to someone who you've watched for you know 20 plus years play the game and, and, and be this huge sports icon, this legend, when you hear of him, it, it, it kind of shakes you to the core. But, you know, when I saw TMZ, I doubted that. I thought, this is just one source. Uh, you know, maybe this is a hoax. But then about 20 minutes later, I look back at my phone, and I have it confirmed by ESPN and by Fox and by other uh, reliable sources. And so that is a real-life example of doubt. You know, you have one source, and you call it into question. You say, well, that's not enough evidence. But then when you have multiple reliable sources... Now your doubt is turned into reality. As we go to the Word of God, specifically in the New Testament, we have a Bible example of doubt. In fact, we have a person's name attached to doubt. Of course, I'm speaking of Thomas. And we're sometimes quick to label him Doubting Thomas. And that's because of what we read in John chapter 20. So if you have your Bibles with you, of course, if you're driving or you have your hands full, I'm not suggesting that you pull out your Bible, but if you're in a place where you can access the Word of God, I invite you to John chapter 20. And as you're turning there, or as you're opening to that passage, I want to kind of lay the, the, the context, lay the groundwork for us. As we open up to chapter 20, we read that it was the first day of the week. 
And we know that Jesus was crucified, but we know that he would come from the, come up from the grave on the third day. This was prophesied in the scripture, Psalm 16.10, and Jesus himself said that it was going to happen. We read that Peter and the other disciple, who we believe is John, ran to the tomb. And in verse 5 it says, Stooping down and looking in, they saw the linen cloths lying there, yet they did not go in. But Simon came, and, and he went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths laying there. He saw the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, again we believe it's John, came to the tomb first, went in also, and notice this, and he saw and believed. Why did John believe? Because he was able to see the evidence for himself. You jump down to verses 11 through 18, and we read of Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene, of course, uh, would see the risen Lord. He would reveal himself to her. And in verse 18, Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. So here is one source coming back to the disciples and saying, I have seen the risen Lord. He spoke to me. In verse 19, it says the same day at evening. So we're still the first day of the week that, that Jesus came and stood in the midst of the disciples. And he said, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Again, why did they believe? Why were they glad? Because they had the evidence presented to them. Now jump down to verse 24. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. Verse 25, we read that the other disciples said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see his hands, the print of the nails, and if I put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And because of this text, again, we are quick to say he's doubting Thomas. He lacked the faith that he needed. But you know, it wasn't that he lacked the faith. It was that he lacked the evidence. Thomas, like every human being, wants the evidence. I want to see it for myself. I want to hear it for myself. You know, it's interesting as you study about the life of Thomas, especially in the book of John. Back in John chapter 14, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. I, I, I'm coming back to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Which of the twelve disciples questioned that? It was Thomas. And not necessarily questioned that, but, but he said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? How can we be sure? Here we have Thomas again, doubting. But what is he wanting? He's wanting confirmation. He, he wants the evidence. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me, John 14 and verse 6. And then back in John chapter 11, you remember Jesus hearing the news of Lazarus. He waited those four days before he went to say, hey, I'm going, so I'm going to perform this miracle so everyone can bring glory and honor to God. It's interesting that in verse 8 of John 11, we read that the Jews wanted to kill him. And so Jesus was going into enemy territory. He was going to a place that 
you know, he very well could have been in a lot of trouble. But we read that Thomas is the one who was ready to die with the Lord. Verse 16. So again, I hope that if nothing else, we think about Thomas in a, in a different light. Instead of saying, you know, Thomas was doubting Thomas, he didn't have the faith, Thomas just wanted the same amount of evidence as everyone else. You know, as we think about this in the religious world today, it is a, is a big problem. Instead of looking at the evidence for ourselves, we want to take someone else's word for it. Well, my preacher said it, so that's good enough for me. Or my mom and dad believe it, that's good enough for me. Or my grandfather went to this church and preached here for a long time, hey, that's good enough for me. But you know, we have a responsibility to search the truth for ourselves, don't we? We have the responsibility to see the evidence for ourselves. And that's what we can learn from Thomas. You know, the Bible teaches that we are to test things. We are to test the spirits, whether they are of God, 1 John 4, 1. Paul told the brethren in Thessalonica, test everything. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from that which is evil. 1 Thessalonians 5, 21. And then we think about the noble Bereans, Acts 17 and 11. Why were they more noble or fair-minded than those in Thessalonica? They were more noble because they searched the scriptures daily to see whether or not those things were so. They didn't want to just take Paul's word for it. They said, no, I want to look at it for myself. And dear friend, I encourage you to do the same thing. Don't take your preacher's word for it. Don't take your parents' word for it, your friend's word for it. Go to the word of God and weigh the evidence for yourself. As we make the application today, how did Thomas weather the storm of doubt? And may I suggest that he did so by weighing the evidence for himself. Continue with me there in John chapter 20. I'll begin in verse 26. After eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas, don't doubt anymore. See the evidence and believe. And I love verse 28. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Thomas, when presented with the truth, presented with the evidence, did not doubt. Rather, he embraced the reality. Here's the application as we continue. Notice in verses 29 through 31. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written, why? That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. John says, the reason I wrote this account, there's three other gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The reason I wrote this was to present you with enough evidence to where you can say, like Thomas did, my Lord and my God, as you fall at the feet of Jesus. We have more than enough evidence to know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that in Him we can have salvation. I want you to consider some passages with me as we close out today. 
because we cannot see the risen Lord in the flesh and blood. We can't see him as Thomas was able to see him. We can't put our hands uh, where the nails went. But as we open up to the word of God, we, through the eye of faith, can see clearly. We have more than enough evidence to know what to do to be saved and to go to heaven. 2 Peter 1.3, we read that God has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Not some things, not just a few things here and there, and then you have to fend for yourselves. No, God has given unto us all things. If it pertains to life and to godliness, we have it in the word of God. You may be struggling with doubt right now and say, okay, well, I believe that, I understand that, but, you know, I just... I just don't know sometimes. I can't see it for myself. I just don't, I don't know that God's really there. Here's another passage to consider. We know this from the word of God, but Romans 1.20. Paul said, by beholding the creation, we can behold the eternal power and Godhead. And then he says that we might not have an excuse. In other words, that we can be out with doubt, that we can throw out doubt and look at creation and say, This beautiful creation demands a creator. This design demands a designer. And just another infallible proof that, yes, there is a God and he is alive. As we go to the scriptures, though, we think about John 16, 13, how the apostles were guided into all truth. Again, not some truth, not just a little bit sprinkled here and there. What we have in the scripture is truth. The sum of thy word is true, Psalm 119, 160. Not some of it, (laughs) the sum of it. You piece it all together. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God, 2 Timothy 3, 16. Also, we read in 2 Peter 1, 19 through 21, that holy men of God spoke as they were guided by the Holy Spirit. And so, friends, what we have in the word of God is overwhelming evidence. We have enough evidence to know that everything that God has said will come to pass. God cannot lie. God the promise maker is God the promise keeper. And so I pray that if you are struggling with doubt, that you will look to the example of Thomas, who just wanted to see the evidence for himself. I pray that you will weigh the evidence, that you may be able to weather the storm of doubt 